Let's read from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 49. What is the third petition? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, grant that we and all men may deny our own will and without any murmuring obey your will, for it alone is good. Grant also that everyone may carry out the duties of his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus begins the Lord's Prayer by focusing our attention on God's kingdom priorities. While by nature we're inclined to seek our own honor and glory, the first petition teaches us to direct our whole life that God's name may be honored and praised. While by nature we're inclined to build our own little kingdoms on this earth, the second petition teaches us to seek the coming of God's kingdom. Same applies to the third petition, which we deal with this afternoon. Jesus taught us to pray, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. By nature, we're inclined to do what we want. But in this petition, we pray that God will help us to do His will as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. What did Jesus mean by God's will. What does it mean to pray that God's will may be done? Sometimes we get mixed up about this. At times we pray for something we desire, but that we're not sure that God will grant. We might pray for healing when we or a loved one is sick. We might pray for a child when we're struggling with fertility issues. But because we don't know God's plan for our life, we pray, Father, we desire such and such, but your will be done. It's good for us to pray in that kind of way. It shows that we're willing to accept what God has in store for us. But that's not what the third petition is all about. In the third petition, we're not praying for God to act in a specific way in our life. Instead, we're praying about how we are to act. We're not praying for our Father to carry out His secret plan for our lives in this world. Instead, we're praying that we may obey the revealed will of God. What is this will of God that we're speaking about? It's that we may live in obedience to His commandments. It's that instead of doing what we often feel like doing, we deny the sinful desires of the flesh and that we do what pleases God. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. Christ teaches us to pray for faithfulness in obeying our Father's will. In our prayer, we pray for help in denying our own sinful will and in obeying God's perfect will. The Bible talks about the will of God in two different ways. We talk about God's secret will and about his revealed will. Deuteronomy 29, 29 refers to both. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, 
But the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. At times, this is confusing for us. It gets in the way of us properly understanding what we're praying for in the third petition. The secret will of God refers to his plan for this world and for each of our lives. From before the foundation of this world, God has had a plan for each of our lives. He's determined the time and place and circumstances in which each of us were born and when each of us will die. Psalm 139 says that our days were written in his book before one of them came to be. God holds our lives in his hands in such a way that not even a hair can fall from our head without his will. James 4, the verses 13 to 15, teaches us that in planning, we should always say, the Lord willing. We're not in control of what happens in our lives. God is. The Bible also talks about the will of God in another way. It also refers to God's revealed will. God's revealed will consists of his commandments and precepts. He has made these known to us in his word. The Bible gives direction in what God forbids and what he commands for our lives. By studying God's word and by praying for the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit, God guides the lives of his children. The focus of the third petition is on the revealed will of God. In it, we're asking our Father to help us to submit ourselves to his commandments and precepts. The issue is that by nature, we're inclined to want to do things that are opposed to God's will. And so we pray to our Father to help us deny our own will and to obey his will. We're asking Father in heaven to help us not to be self-seeking and self-serving, but instead to help us love him first and our neighbor as ourselves. Do you know why we face such a struggle to do God's will, to obey his commands? Ultimately, it's due to the fall into sin. With the fall into sin, we changed. By nature, we're totally corrupt and inclined to all evil. The Canons of Dort summarizes the Bible's teaching about this in chapter 3, 4, article 1. It talks about the effects of the fall into sin. It tells us how before the fall, man was adorned in his mind with a true and wholesome knowledge of his creator and of all spiritual things. His will and heart were upright and all his affections were pure. Therefore, man was completely holy. Yet with the fall, we brought on ourselves blindness, horrible darkness, futility, and perverseness, perverseness of judgment of his mind, wickedness, rebellion, and stubbornness in his will and heart, impurity in his affections. To help us understand what the third petition is all about, it's helpful to examine the life of Saul. We read together from 1 Samuel 13. Samuel had commanded Saul to go down to Gilgal and promised he would join him in seven days to offer burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. 
Yet Saul could not wait for Samuel to arrive. He was in a precarious position. The Philistines had gathered together to fight against him with 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people as numerous as the sand of the seashore. Saul's men were deserting him. What should Saul do? Saul figured if he didn't do something soon, his army would be scattered. He had waited the full seven days, and still Samuel was not there. He didn't want to have to go into battle without the blessing of the Lord. Saul figured, why not just bend the rules a little bit? Samuel told me to wait for him, but what's the big deal? I'm in dire straits. And so Saul went ahead and offered the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings. He did this even though he was not a priest, and he didn't have authority to do so. Samuel arrived shortly after this. He told Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. We also read from 1 Samuel 15. At the beginning of the chapter, Saul was commanded to attack the Amalekites. The Lord says, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way they came up out of Egypt. Now go, strike Amalek, and devote to destruction all they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Saul and the people with him killed the Amalekites, except for King Agag. But it seemed like such a waste to kill all those nice herds and flocks. Why not just spare some of them? They could offer some of them to the Lord and make him happy. And then they could keep the rest. The Lord would be okay with that, wouldn't he? We read the Lord's reaction. He was terribly displeased. He greatly regretted making Saul king. Samuel does not accept the excuses Saul tries to make to cover his sin. He said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. Rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Now, it's not hard for us to pick on the faults of King Saul. He was a weak and sinful man whose heart was not devoted to the Lord his God. But, beloved, our sinful nature is the same as Saul's. Just like him, it can be a struggle for us to deny our sinful desires and to do what God commands. The Lord has given us his commands for our benefit. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 24, Moses said, The Lord has commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. God's word doesn't just teach us a bunch of arbitrary rules to live by. God's goal is not to impose commands that make us miserable. His law is for our benefit. It's there to protect us from falling into the hands of the devil. It's there to allow us to live 
in the freedom that Christ has earned for us. Sometimes we struggle with this. A single person who longs for a life's partner will sometimes meet someone attractive. A warm-hearted, caring, considerate, fun-loving person who seems ideally suited as a marriage partner. There's only one snag. The person is not a Christian. We know that God has commanded that we're not to be mismated with unbelievers. So what do you do? Your brain tells you it's wrong. Don't do it. But your heart pulls strongly in the other direction. You're lonely. You feel like you deserve some happiness in life. Why not just go ahead with a relationship? Does God really mind that much? I'm sure that in time I can witness that person and he or she will become a Christian. See, beloved, doing the will of God can sometimes be very difficult. There's times in life when we're caught between a rock and a hard place. It seems that going God's way is like paddling upstream against a strong current. The alternative can be so enticing. We think that if we go the way of the world, it'll be easy sailing. We think that if we do what we want, we'll be happy. Do you really believe it, beloved? Do you think that what the world's got to offer is really that attractive? Do you think our society has got real solutions for the troubles that ail us? When I look at our society's divorce rates, at increasing rates of substance abuse, the high incidence of suicide, I simply don't believe it. Do you find that people in the world around you are content? That they have peace in their hearts? Have they got any kind of hope for the future? Please consider, beloved, how rich you are. You have a wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given his life in order to redeem you from your sins and misery. With his blood, he has purchased you as his own possession. Because of his great love for you, has given you norms by which to live happy lives. He's planted his spirit in your heart to renew you, to help you, to guide and direct you, so that you may do the will of your Father in heaven. The Lord has promised to bless those who heed his commands. As the psalmist says in Psalm 128, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it will be well with you. In the third petition, we pray for the Lord to help us walk in his ways. We pray that our gracious Father will give us the strength to deny our own will, to do his will. We're praying that the Lord will help us realize that his way is the right way, and that he enables us to follow it. It's good for us to pray this petition every day, 
For in our lives, it's often a struggle to deny our own desires and to do God's will. This brings us to our second point, and we'll see that praying, the third petition, involves not just denying our own sinful will, but also obeying God's perfect will. Beloved, I have a question that I'd like you to consider earnestly. Have you ever noticed a connection between your prayer life and how you're doing in your walk with the Lord? Have you ever had it for a period of time that you've struggled with a particular sin in your life? During that time, did you notice anything about how you related to the Lord in prayer? One of the questions that elders will often ask in home visits is about whether or not we pray personally to the Lord. The Apostle Paul taught us in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 to pray without ceasing. Paul teaches us that the whole of our life is to be lived in communion with God. And sometimes we have difficulty praying. Often it has to do with the fact that there's something in our life that's not right. I'm sure that many of you have experienced that in your relationship with the Lord. When you walk with the Lord, you can talk to the Lord. But when you can't talk with Him anymore, it's often because you refuse to walk with Him. We see this so very clearly in the life of King Saul. Because of Saul's disobedience, the Lord rejected him as king of Israel. Saul refused to repent. 1 Samuel 16 verse 14 tells us that the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. For a time, David's heart playing soothed Saul. He'd become refreshed and well and the evil would depart from him. Yet over time, Saul more and more rejected the ways of the Lord. He became envious of David because he realized that the Lord had had anointed him as Israel's next king. Though David was always good to Saul, Saul sought to kill him. Twice while David was still at the palace, Saul threw a spear at him to try pin him to the wall. In later years, Saul persecuted David fiercely. Saul killed 85 members of the priestly family because they had provided David and his men with bread. Do you know how it all ended? In 1 Samuel 28, we read of how Saul was greatly afraid when the Philistines came out in battle against him again. Verse 6 says that when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. Saul had forsaken the Lord. For many years he had gone his own way. Then when trouble struck, he all of a sudden wanted to inquire of the Lord. Although he had not walked with God, he now wanted to talk with him. Actually, Saul did not want to talk with God. He wanted God to talk with him. He wanted the Lord to tell him that he was with him and would help him in his battle against his enemies. The Lord did not answer Saul. And so Saul sought out a medium to bring back Samuel from the dead to tell him how he would would fare in the battle. Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? 
Saul replied he was deeply distressed because the Philistines were making war against him and the Lord had departed from him and would not answer him. He said, I've summoned you to tell me what to do. Samuel tells Saul that the Lord was fulfilling what he had said many years earlier. He was tearing the kingdom from out of Saul's hands because he refused to obey. Samuel goes on to say that Saul would die in battle the next day that the armies of Israel would fall into the hands of the Philistines. The next day, when Saul is wounded by the archers, he falls on his own sword and dies. We see Saul came under the Lord's curse. Because he refused to obey the will of the Lord, the Lord withdrew from him. Notice the steps. Disobedience a breakdown in communion between man and God, and then ultimately, death. Beloved, where is your prayer life at? Like, what's your prayer life like today? Do you enjoy close communion with your Heavenly Father? Or are you feeling cut off? If you're unhappy... If you're discontented in your heart, if you have no peace, please consider where you stand with God. Are you keeping his commands? Are you living according to his word? Are you doing his will? If you can't answer those questions positively, then you need to repent. If your prayers are hindered because something is amiss in your life, you need to get down on your knees. Pour out your heart before the throne of grace. Lay your sins before your gracious Father. The Lord loves a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. He will not despise. If you've confessed your sins and gotten rid of what stands between you and the Lord, you'll also be able to pray the third petition then you can pray that the Lord will help you to do his will, that he may give you what you need to carry out the duties of your office and calling. Please understand, beloved, that when Jesus taught us the third petition, he was not asking us to do something he did not himself first do. Jesus came into this world to save us from our sins. He knew that to accomplish that, he would have to suffer and die. He would have to subject himself to the agony and to the shame of the cross. He'd have to suffer the torment of Satan and his evil hosts. He'd have to bear God's wrath against all our sins. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus struggled with this. He prayed, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The battle to do what God wanted him to do became intense for the Lord Jesus. He struggled so much that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. Yet in the midst of his agony, Jesus again prayed, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. After finding his disciples sleeping instead of praying with him, Jesus went away and prayed a third time saying the same words again. 
We read this afternoon from Hebrews 5. Verse 7 tells us that while he was on earth, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. Hebrews 5 verse 8 tells us that although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. In his prayers, we see Jesus submitting himself to his father's will. The first time he prayed, Jesus asked that if possible, the cup of suffering might pass him by. Yet the second and third times he prays, the emphasis is different. The main clause is not, let this cup pass from me, but your will be done. We see that Christ learned obedience. Through his prayers, he prayed for and he received strength to do what he had to do. To die on the cross. To suffer God's wrath against all our sins. Through Christ, we have redemption from sin and death. In grace, he has delivered us from the punishment that we deserve. Out of thankfulness, let us then submit our lives to God. Let us be obedient to his revealed will. Let us deny our own will and do what God wants us to do. It will be a struggle, beloved. But we may ask our Father to help us in this. He granted the prayers that our Lord Jesus Christ offered him. Since our prayers are covered by the blood of Christ, our Father will hear them as well. By the power of his Spirit, he will equip and strengthen us so that more and more we may deny our own sinful desires and do what pleases him. Beloved, there is a spiritual battle being fought. A battle between the forces of darkness and the forces of light. Your souls are the battleground. At stake is your very salvation. Let us earnestly pray to our Heavenly Father that he will help us deny our own will and do what he wants us to do. Let's ask him to grant us his grace and spirit that we may live in accordance with his commands. The pathway of obedience is one God will bless. God has promised a great reward to those who honor him by obeying his commands. John said in 1 John 2 verse 17, The world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. In Revelation twenty-two fourteen, Jesus said, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. By learning obedience, God will allow us to share in the eternal blessings Christ has earned for us. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing from Psalm 25, stanzas 2 and 4.